Hello and welcome to CMO Combo, the podcast from CMO Alliance, the show where we get into some hearty conversations with CMOs and top-level marketers and what it takes to survive and thrive in modern marketing. Today, I'm speaking to Aidan Casey, who has recently made the jump to the CMO role at the custom art startup Paint Troop. We're discussing something that's on the minds of many CMOs and marketers. How can you produce a content strategy that's effective and valuable to both your company and your customers? Hi, Aidan. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? Thanks. I'm doing great. How are you all? I'm great. Thank you for asking. I don't often get asked that on these, uh, these episodes. It's always nice when someone does ask me that. Um, What's well, important? Yeah, yeah I, I think it is, but I'm not the main focus of these uh, these episodes. You and other CMOs who are the focus. So without much further ado, um, Aiden, uh, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe tell us a bit about your background, how you got into the CMO role. Yeah, sounds good. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure working with CMO Alliance thus far. Um, Aiden Casey here. Um, I am originally from Portland, Oregon, moved to San Diego to go to university, and then I stayed there for about 10 years. Currently, I am based in Scotland. Uh, my partner's on an exchange there, but I am back in the States currently. I started out my career in the advertising space, really focusing primarily in the pharmaceuticals, life science, uh, medical device, and healthcare technology. After working at a few agencies for several years, I transitioned to working at a healthcare technology startup. I worked there for over three years, and that really even led me into my move overseas to the UK. Um, I began my role there in kind of more of a client services strategy focus and ended up really building the marketing department from the ground up with that company. At the beginning of 2020, um, I decided it was kind of time for me to broaden my experience a bit. And I consulted myself independently for several clients throughout the year where I took the opportunity to really branch more into the direct-to-consumer space and more kind of lifestyle and brands that were aligned with my personal interests. Not to say that I have not always been very passionate about healthcare and I do love that space, but it was kind of an opportunity for me to explore whether more of a lifestyle brand focus was a better fit. I ended up taking a full-time role with Paintrue, who was a client of mine um, in the end of 2020 as their CMO. Um, Paintrue is a direct-to-consumer custom artwork company, so very different from the healthcare space that I had been working in. Um, but it's been a really good experience to kind of I feel like it's been kind of the culmination of all the experience I've had over the past almost 10 years now. Um, so it's a really great opportunity to apply everything and move forward. And it's, it's been really great so far. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like a very cool company. Um, I've, I've checked out some of the, the stuff you've done and we've we've collaborated already for content on CMO yes. Alliance. So I'm, I am familiar with Paintry, but um, so you you are freshly minted as a CMO, if mm -hmm. you don't mind me using that term. Um, no, that, that's a great the great term. Love it. <laughs> and did you did you approach the role, or are you approaching the role with like a particular philosophy in mind, or is it sort of like still like just working out how to be a CMO, or did you have like this kind of idea of how you I'm going to go in there day one and make my mark? Yeah, I think my philosophy is really applying everything I've learned over the past several years. And there's a reason why I was pro approached for the position. So I think you kind of have to be using you as in 
anyone in this position, you have to kind of like lean into your confidences and lean into what you know you're great at and like what you can bring to the company. So I'm really trying to apply all this existing knowledge. And then also, again, leaning into the opportunity to learn more. I mean, there's opportunities every day. I think that every, every mistake, every um, uncertainty, every, um, interaction with anyone is a learning opportunity. So I personally am committed to spending every day learning how I can grow and learning how I can better support my company. Um, I had prepared myself to shift into more of the direct-to-consumer marketing space um, by working on several direct-to-consumer brands during 2020 when I was um, consulting. So that, I think, prepared me very well. And I've kind of gleaned a lot of learnings that I'm able to apply to my role currently. Um, and then another couple of things I'm trying to focus on is really a collaborative leadership principle. And especially working at a startup, it's, it seems a lot of times that there's a mountain at your foot, at your feet that you're trying to climb. So it's really about breaking that into like actionable tasks and steps. Um, there's always going to be a mountain of work to do. And it, it is, daunting. However, I think that in this role, it's really critical to be able to break things down into um, actionable next steps. Um, and that's the only way you can make progress. Well, I suppose it's one of the advantages of the CMO role that you've got that kind of perspective to be able to break it down in that way. It's something that marketers might be missing on the way up to that kind of role, but as a CMO, you do have that kind of perspective to sort of see how things work and break it down in that way. Yeah, definitely. You have the opportunity to be looking at things from a very high level. And then also if you are in a startup environment, you're also on a very tactical level as well. So in the weeds. So I think that's also um, a unique challenge of being a startup CMO is it's so imperative to be looking at things from the top down in a sense that you kind of have to have your eye on everything. Um, and be still thinking strategically and not getting bogged down in the weeds. However, at the end of the day, um, we don't have a huge team. So I'm doing kind of everything in the weeds as well. So it's always kind of like bringing myself back up and looking at the bigger picture. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's a chance to apply, as you said, all those skills, like having that kind of role. And then it's going to be a role that evolves surely like as the team grows like how 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 do you feel about that role growing as it, as things move forward absolutely yeah it is something i think about because um i i really love working at startup companies and small companies because of the direct impact that you feel and with that it's inevitable that the company will change and the company will grow and so i think being being the cmo from such an early phase will give me the opportunity to shape the marketing department and team how I feel it should be shaped. However, I think it'll be a little, it'll probably be a little tough to kind of relinquish some of the details at first. Um, but I do think that like having that experience of doing everything before you're just managing a team is really valuable. Um, I think that sometimes when upper leadership comes in at a top level and they don't have the experience or they're so far removed from that experience and actually working on the tactical details, there can be a bit of a disconnect. So as our team grows, I want to remain really committed to 
thinking at a high level strategically, but also knowing what it takes to get those initiatives done, if that makes sense. Uh, totally, totally. And one of those things that I'm sure is going to be important moving forward, which is the reason we're speaking today is content. Now, having yeah. an understanding of content strategy is obviously important to being a CMO, but also having an awareness of what, what actually makes good content on a micro level. Like, I think that's something that's very important. Um, we can have all these great ideas for like content strategy and editorial calendars and stuff, but in terms of like day-to-day producing that kind of great content, that's something that since you're in an early phase company, that's something you're going to have to be very involved with. Is that something you're going to be looking for, like staying involved with as things move forward, do you think? Or are you just going to have to take a step back? There's no way you can be involved with all the content production all the way through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, and we, we've talked about this before, I I love content strategy. It's, it is so interesting to me. And I think it's so imperative for companies um, developing content. So that's writing blogs, writing social media content, sourcing imagery, writing website content is very, very time consuming. Um, so I think that as our team grows, I will hopefully have um, people helping with that. But I do think it's really important to be active in content development. I, I do think that like every, I, my philosophy is that everyone in the company should be actively participating in developing content because even at big organizations, it's really important to have content that speaks to all different aspects of the company. Um, so I will probably always be very involved in the content development and content strategy. Um, however, it, it is time consuming. <laughs> um, but I do think, and one of the reasons why I think content strategy is so important is because trust builds brands and content builds trust. And that content, again, builds relationships. It builds relationships with customers and potential customers and um, on the B2B side clients and prospects. I think the the last year in particular has really shown the importance of content. Like content marketing was a thing that existed, like people were aware of it and it was like, oh, it's the next, it's the next craze in B2B marketing or B2C, even B2C marketing as well. But the last year, Mm -hmm. the pandemic, I think has seen more and more brands wake up to the fact that content is absolutely essential to their marketing strategies. Um, Do you think it's going to be important post pandemic? Is it this going to be a continuous thing or are we going to fall back into old habits? I definitely do think it will be very important. And one thing, and it's kind of hard to put into terms, but I do think that content marketing and content gets thrown around kind of as a bit of a buzzword when really it's not a buzzword because content is just everything that builds your brand and your brand presence and brand trust. So as much as like, oh, like content marketing or content strategies seems like it's maybe like a newer evolution of marketing. If you think back to companies, you know, even in the early 1900s, they're written, their articles in the newspaper, their branding, like that is all content too. So I think that it's just figuring out ways of, innovative ways of delivering content and that that delivery has to adapt to your, your market and where that market's going. And our market is going much more digital as we all know. I mean, it is just pretty much an evolution of when companies would take out those like full page ads when exactly yeah, when they, when they'd um, you'd get the, the doctor's reports trying to 
say that cigarettes were okay and stuff like that. And like the, the, the golden age of marketing, I'm, I'm quote marking a golden age of marketing. Maybe I've watched yeah, too much the, Mad Men. But the, yeah. mad, the Mad Men era. But hey, it's just about meeting your customers and customers and clients where they are. So how are they consuming? How are they consuming information? And what type of information do they trust? So being a brand today, I probably wouldn't take out a newspaper advert to reach our target market for Paintrue because that's just not where they're looking for um, our type of solution. Um, so it's all about just figuring out, you know, where, who, who are you trying to talk to and how can you get to them most effectively? The, the, the demand for content has never been higher, but I think that there is a risk that people are looking at producing content for content's sake. Like what, to your mind, makes a good piece of content or a, like a good piece of content that fits into a good content strategy? Because you can't think of it as just like a, a one piece at a time. It has to be part of like a fuller strategy, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that does go back to developing content takes time. So it's critical for every company, startup to large company to be prioritizing time because you don't want your employees spending time creating something that's just not valuable for the overall strategy of the company. Um, and this is a bit of a good segue into kind of how I think about content strategy, which is really in terms of three pillars. So there's thought leadership content, um, customer and client education content, and then SEO driven content. Um, and I think that content should fit into those three pillars in some way to be effective. So let's say you're developing a piece that is um, solidifying your thought leadership within, let's say, a like healthcare technology space that is writing an article that is published in um, maybe like healthcare executive or in PubMed or study in PubMed or in Becker's Hospital Review. That would be kind of thought leadership content. Um, and then maybe like customer client education content would be content around the problem and the solution. So the, the problem that your company or product is actively solving and how it solves it. And then we kind of segue into SEO driven content, which is really hitting customers and clients with finding them with, by what looking for what they're looking for. So I think that content should really fit into those buckets to be effective because if you're developing a piece that your customers or prospects don't really care about and that doesn't better solidify your brand position and thought leadership, then it's it's probably not effective and not a good use of time where that, that time could be spent elsewhere. So is, is it keeping those three pillars separate? Or is it sort of like a, like a Venn diagram where they cross over and you can have something right in the middle that fits all three? Yeah. I, I think they do cross over and there are probably, you know, pieces of content that, and I guess a lot of content can be um, maybe seen as like investor relation content or um, which might not quite fit into those buckets, but I do think it kind of fits into thought leadership. But yeah, I definitely see it as a Venn diagram because things definitely cross over, especially um, with the SEO driven content because SEO kind of overlaps everything. and. Um, I, I don't think that companies, and we'll probably get onto this topic a bit more later, but I don't think company, companies should be developing content solely for SEO's sake. It really has to be um, supporting your company's content strategy in other ways as well. So in, in terms of getting the content that's right for your 
for your customers or for your, your potential clients or, or your leads? How do you find out what they want? Like, how do you know what they want? Like, is it just seeing what other companies are doing and producing similar stuff to that? Or like, how do you, how do you find a unique voice in your content? Yeah, I think for me, I, I really think that it's very important to start with your customers. So you can get so much insight from your sales team because they are the ones who are actively talking to your customers and prospects every day. So it's a matter of, diving in really deep and figuring out who are your customers what are they looking for what questions are they are they having what hesitations do they have what alternatives are they assessing like there's really such a wealth of information that lies within the sales function of a company and that's why i think it's so important that marketing and sales work very closely together um, i know a lot of organizations struggle with this um, but it's because it's, it's imperative because the sales team, they know these customers, they know, they know everything they're looking for. Um, so once you can kind of dig into, into those insights, then that can be really helpful in guiding your content strategy and really what to develop. I I suppose working with the sales team directly on that is equipping them with tools to use in their own sales processes as well. Um, if you're got them on the ground level, then they'll find the content more useful in those aspects. Exactly. And I think a lot of the content that's helpful for the sales team is a lot of that, you know, customer and client education content. Um, because as a sales team, you want you want your prospect to be pushed down the funnel a bit before you're making that content anyway, or that contact anyway. So that's educating them, that is proactively answering their questions, that is um just broadening their knowledge around the space because with knowledge comes comfort. Um, in a sense, in whatever like solution or product that you're essentially trying to sell. Yeah, because I, I think, and I, I know it's definitely true in the B2B circle, but the vast majority of content is produced for the lead generation, whereas it's just as valuable tool for, for lead nurturing. And it, I think it's yes. something that we're missing a lot in, in marketing these days. Absolutely. And, you know, I actually don't have the statistic up in front of me, but um, I can speak to, you know, most of the brands that I've worked on our customers or clients prospects are coming to our website, you know, four between four and 10 times before they're making that purchase or they're con- converting. Um, so they're looking for information. They want to feel comfortable. Um, I can say myself personally, even like, let's say I'm assessing a new technology platform before I request a demo, I've already read up on that platform. I've already educated myself on the pain points that platform solves, uh, their price point most likely, um, what their strong suits are, what their kind of weak points are. And all of that content that I'm consuming is educating me. Um, and that, and that, that is all content. And I suppose that this is, uh, it's a great point when user generated content comes into play, like case studies, uh, user reviews, that kind of thing. Like those kind of things are super valuable for, for lead nurturing. Yeah, absolutely. I think case studies are one of the most important um, pieces of content, especially for B2B organizations that can be developed um, with that. They are often the most difficult because it's often relying on, you know, other parties for that information. Um, In my experience, it takes a long time to pull those case studies together, but they're really, really valuable. Definitely. But I think it's equally valuable in the B2C world as well. Um, Testimonials, user Mm -hmm. reviews. Like people don't tend to trust 
media press reviews as much anymore. Like you look at Amazon reviews, you look at even like even people are moving away from sort of like rotten tomatoes as a way of judging whether a movie's good. They'll, they'll much much rather rely on like word of mouth and that kind of stuff, which is content, which is user generated content, which is important to yeah see brands. Absolutely. Um, so what role can a CMO play in developing an effective content strategy? Like how, how into the content strategy does a CMO need to be? I know you're at an early stage company where it's a, a small team where you do have to be very involved, but, and you said like, you would like to be involved as things move on, but is that just you? Or do you think it's something that all CMOs should be doing? They should, should all CMOs have their content hat on? Cause not all CMOs are coming up to the role from a content background. Absolutely. Um, I, I do think it's important. I mean, I, like you said, I can only speak in my experience. Um, however, I do think it's important because beyond again, that content marketing and content strategy has kind of become a buzzword. What it really is, is your brand and how you're addressing your customer and consumer market. So in that respect, I think it's, absolutely essential that CMOs try to keep that content hat on um, because part of developing an effective content strategy is determining, it's figuring out, it's getting in the head of the customer or client um, and it's figuring out what, what drives them, what are they looking for? What questions do they have? And like, how can we address those questions? And I think if you don't have that, then it's really hard to be an effective CMO. Um, However, most CMOs probably don't come to the role from a content strategist um, background. But I think that another thing that's important to kind of keep in mind to understand um, is the process of developing content and different types of content available. Um, because that's really a that's really a component um, that the CMO should be overseeing. Um, so even though you may not have experience developing content or say, is it, you know, being a content strategist, understanding the process by which your team develops content and the process by which you identify opportunities to develop, to develop content is really important. And, and how, how do you, how would it, the CMOs surely got to pitch the idea of a content strategy to the other, the other members of the C-suite? Um, like how do you, how do you go about justifying producing blogs and producing podcasts that don't necessarily have an immediate ROI, they don't have measurable revenue streams. Like how, how do you get other stakeholders on board? You mentioned getting sales on board and getting their input, which is obviously a good way to get their, them aligned. But what about, what about the rest of C-suite? How do you convince a CEO who doesn't care about content that content's important? You know, I, I'm going to recommend a book right now that has been so, so helpful for my career. It's called They Ask, You Answer. Um, let me just pull up the author really quick because I'm blanking. Um, and it, it's all about content strategy. And there's actually a section on that really dives into It's by Marcus Sheridan. Um, it's a really an amazing book. And I have recommended, you know, so many of my colleagues read it after a manager of mine a couple of years ago had us read it. Um, they have a really great section and how you get this buy-in from companies. Um, he has a lot of statistics and it really comes down to, you want to proactively 
answer your customers and prospects questions. Because when you proactively answer those questions, you are building trust from square one. And with trust comes interest and with that comes sales and, and leads and lead driving conversions. So I think that once you can have this, that, this conversation around the importance of proactively coming at everything from a proactive angle and developing content that is driving people down the funnel and building trust, then that conversation is, is heard by um, kind of different key stakeholders. Um, Another kind of element that I think is important going back to the three kind of pillars is you shouldn't just focus on one type of content because everything really it interrelates and balances out a content strategy. So while some executive stakeholders may not really understand the need for SEO driven content, they do understand the need for thought leadership driven content. And uh, they do understand the need for developing content that addresses customer questions. Um, And again, that type of content often enables the sales team. So, Speaking of the the three pillars again, um, and you mentioned SEO driven stuff there mm-hmm. again. Like it's something that is it's been important to marketing and to content for for years now, and yet I think people are still scared of it. People are worried when they see those three letters pop up. Like, mm-hmm. what does SEO mean? How do I get my head around it? Is it important for a CMO to understand all of the current standards and practices of SEO when it comes to content? Because it's constantly changing, isn't it? Like the, the algorithm mm-hmm. for, for Google rankings, for page rankings is constantly changing. The, the algorithms for, for organic reach on uh, social media is constantly changing. Like the CMOs just need to be aware that SEO exists and send people off to do that for them. Or do they need to have an understanding of what needs to be done to get a good SEO uh, process going? Yeah. Um, so I... And I'm approaching this question from having a pretty deep understanding of SEO. Um, a few years back, I we were working with an SEO agency, actually, at one of my past companies. And I found it just so interesting. And I was in a content brand strategy role at this company. And we were so we were working with an agency on SEO. And I found it so interesting. And I realized that it would be so beneficial to my role as a content strategist to really deeply understand SEO. Um, I kind of burned it out for a couple of years <laughs> and really dove deep to understand it thoroughly. So I have quite a bit of experience in SEO. However, going back to whether CMOs need to have that deep ex- expertise and experience, I don't necessarily think so, but I think having an understanding of it is very important. Um, and then another role of a leader is you don't have to be the master of everything. You just need to be able to, you know, identify the right resources and when you need those resources. Um, so I think it's important that if a CMO has no understanding of SEO, that's fine. Pull in some resources to, you know, round out round out that need in the company. Um, for Paintrue, we've I came on board in October and initiated their SEO strategy. And our organic traffic and reach has increased exponentially. So it does have direct impacts. Um, it's more of a long-term game than you know paid advertising because often it takes several months to kind of see the fruits of your labor. But 
it is important and it's it's something that is here to stay. However, I don't I don't know if I would recommend a CMO, you know, take a couple of years and become an SEO expert, but having a good understanding is really important. And there's a lot of good, you know, educational material, whether it's books or podcasts or kind of online resources that are very educational. You mentioned earlier that you don't think um, we should be producing content purely for SEO's sake. Do you want to expand on what you mean by that? Like, because content yeah. strategies are part of SEO strategies, but yeah, what, what does it mean to produce content for SEO's sake and why is that a bad thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, I can hear, maybe I'll give an example of a piece of content that would be SEO driven, that would be a good use of a company's time and then I'll kind of dovetail into like why it's important to make sure that you're not just producing content for SEO's sake. So let's say um, this is kind of a silly example, but you have an organic coffee company and you look at the data, you do keyword research and there's, there's a lot of great tools out there to do this. Um, Again, part of SEO is really diving into what your customer is actually looking for, what they're actively searching for. So you're an organic coffee company and the data points to people are looking for fair trade ground coffee versus organic coffee. So that's really telling because if you're developing all of your content on your website um, with the language of organic coffee and nothing, and you are fair trade, but nothing mentions fair trade, you're failing to capture what a large portion of the market is looking for. Um, so that would kind of be an indicator that would affect your website copy. And then following this analogy a bit further, if you are um, this example a bit further, if you see that people are searching for how to judge the strength of organic coffee, then that would probably be smart to develop some educational material, maybe blog posts or a page on your site that deep dives into the details of coffee strengths. Um, because people who are searching for that are likely someone who might buy your product. So that's kind of a good use of SEO driven um, content. However, I do think that you have to take a step back and figure out how do you bring relevant traffic to your website? Because irrelevant traffic is not necessarily traffic that we need or want in our website. So I'll give an example actually for Paintrue. Um, so when I started working with the company, we had we were starting out with a really great domain authority score. We were getting a lot of organic traffic to the website. But then when I actually dove in and started reporting on this traffic, a lot of this traffic was actually coming to our website um, based on, we, we do classical reproductions as well as custom artwork based on famous artists search terms. So someone would be searching a specific Monet painting and all those people were on site. So yeah, we were in, you know, the top one to three of Google results for that search term, but someone searching for, you know, Monet's water lilies is not necessarily someone searching for that painting or to buy that painting. It's someone just searching for that image to be used on something. Um, so it, that is kind of an example of like, that's irrelevant traffic. So how do we capture more relevant traffic? So how do we capture people who are looking for artwork commissions? How do we capture people who are looking for custom wedding artwork or custom nursery artwork? Because people who are searching for that are actually our buyer market. So 
a lot of people, I think they'll see, they'll see, um, something has a really, really high search volume. So a lot of people are searching for it. A lot of people are looking for it, but if you don't step back and ask yourself, are those people, my bot buyers, do those people fit my buyer persona? Then you might waste time developing content solely to capture that traffic. Um, for someone who, you know, isn't, isn't someone who's worth spending that time on getting them to your website. So it's, it's a it's a way of sort of setting up setting up a beacon, setting up a lighthouse that directs the right traffic towards you. Um, like that's that's the idea of good SEO driven content. Yeah, exactly. And I think a strong SEO strategy is look over time at your organic conversion rate. So you would want your organic traffic conversion rate being you know trending up and to the right. And how you do that is by kind of weeding out a lot of that irrelevant traffic or, you know, you don't have to get rid of it. You just reprioritize your time into developing website content that is, you know, capturing more relevant traffic and more relevant traffic is um, more potential buyers or potential leads, clients, et cetera. Let's, let's take a step back for a second and let's, let's flip things on its head. Um, So we've talked about the importance of SEO. Um, in good content. Is there such thing as good content without SEO? Like, could you like just say, F this, we're not bothering with SEO. It's something that other people are doing. Like we just want to produce good quality content. Is there such thing as good quality content that doesn't have SEO built into it? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I'll say to to have a well-rounded, effective content strategy, I, I do believe that you should be focusing on SEO in addition, but then it goes back to content that's answering your customers' questions and content that's positioning you and solidifying you as a thought leader and subject matter expert in your space. And a lot of that, you know, thought leadership and subject matter expert type content, it may not be SEO driven. You know, you may not be um, bringing in a lot of organic traffic. However, that's really quality content that you can share with prospects. You can share with investors. Um, you can um, share with media outlets, etc. And that's all really, really important too. And if you just focused on SEO-driven content, you would not have a an effective content strategy because you'd be missing out on that. So it's it's more about building building those good answers to questions. Um, that that's more of like a sort of like a topic kind of thing, but say how important is stuff like keyword density and stuff like that when it comes to SEO these days, especially in light of the algorithms changing constantly, like can you keep up with, with the, the change algorithms that Google keep changing every five minutes by the looks of things to, to <laughs> yeah, have like a decent keyword density and that kind of, and fit on the page ranking that way, or is it just better just to focus on the subject? Yeah. So Google, Google's updates as of recent have all been pointing towards improving their users experience. So Google wants users to exclusively use Google search engine and they want people to have an incredible experience. I mean, just as you know, any, you know, product or tech company, um, would focus on, they, they obsess over their customer's experience. So they want you to come to Google. They want you to find exactly what you're looking for quickly um, they don't want you to show up on a site that's broken, that takes forever to load, has horrible content, not what you're looking for. So 
it's in their their big algorithm change of this year it was all focused on user experience so i think if you always keep in mind that you want someone to come to your website and have a great experience you want them to read your content well you want it to have nice images you want it to load quickly you want it to hit on the topics they're looking for um if you kind of use that as your your gold standard then you will continually be improving your seo um there's a lot of, you know, of these kind of black hat or not illegal, but just not really legal um, methods <laughs> of SEO. And if you look back, like those have all been weeded out, like company like Google, Google's so smart. It, it adapts and there's no sense in cheating the system. It's, it is, it is about really producing quality content. However, I will say that if you're, um, if you are producing a blog, blog posts or online website content, it's definitely always worth looking at the keyword research because you do want to know what your customers are searching for. And that's another reason why I think that SEO is really important and why I think it's really strengthened me as a content strategist is instead of just thinking like the brand terms and how I, as a, as a employee of this company thinks that our customers are coming to us, it's really worth taking a step back and figuring out what your customers are actually searching for. So going back to the coffee example, customers, let's say they're searching for fair trade coffee. They're not searching for organic coffee. It's it's hundred percent worthwhile to take that into account when you're writing your site content and capitalize on, on that because you're going to be reaching more relevant customers. And I suppose keeping being aware of those keywords as well, helps you get into the mindset of your customer like think about like the, the coffee example mm-hmm. it sounds like the customer's priorities is the fair trade side rather than the organic side so that that can change how you're doing the rest of your messaging um beyond your content beyond like into how you do your branding how you do your packaging like what you what you should be focusing on there so i suppose you could Absolutely. use the seo research as like a basis for other things like did have you found that's a useful exercise Absolutely. That's actually um, one of my favorite exercises. Um, I I did a little exploration for a company recently um, and they kind of realized that they, what their customers were actually searching for really wasn't what they were capitalizing on. However, they had an opportunity to shift their content and shift their positioning to capture what people were actually searching for. I'll suggest a really good online tool too. There's a website called Answer the Public, and you can essentially like it, it's it, their tagline is discover what people are search, asking about. So you can type in a keyword and see what people are asking about. So let's say um, I don't know. Well, do you have something you're curious about? A topic um, or a product? Ooh, ooh. Um... Oh, I, I need a new tent. Yeah. A new okay. camping tent. Yeah. So like what yeah. tents are good for a Scottish summer? <laughs> um, okay. So if I search in answer the public camping tent, it's pulling some data for me. So it'll essentially bring together all this data on like the what, can, who, how, when, which, where, and why of camping tents. So how, let's see, what camping tent is best? 
how much is a camping tent? How, how to build a camping tent? Which camping tent is the best? How to choose the best camping, mm-hmm. camping tent? Which brand of tent is best? What is tent camping? Which brand of tent is best? Like that's a little repetitive. Um, where to buy a camping tent near me? So this is all, you know, tapping into, here's one, are heaters safe in tents? What is the safest tent heater? Um, is tent camping free? Is tent camping safe? So these are all like, like you're getting into the head, you're shifting your mindset into the head of this vast consumer base and what they're looking for. So if you are, you know, a tent company, this would be really insightful for you because you're getting data on what people are actually looking for. And will all of this in answer the public spits back quite a lot. Um, will all of this be relevant to you? Probably not, but I bet you can find some good tidbits in here that can help guide your content strategy. Well, just right there, you've, um, just from what you've read out, there's plenty of decent titles for content for blogs for yeah. an, outdoor com- an outdoors work company. Um, so I suppose it'd be useful in that respect as well. If you're stuck for titles, that's all, yeah, right there. That, yeah, that's a great point. And I love that from the copywriter's perspective too. <laughs> I'm always looking for uh, companies to do my job for me. That's that's the main thing. <laughs> well, I, I hope you like this tool. It yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think that's, um, that's really like the, the idea is that SEO doesn't preclude quality content. I think a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of writers who are approaching content writing from a sort of like an authorial stance, like an author kind of thing, like, oh no, SEO, you're restricting my restricting my groove, man. You're not letting me do my own thing. Whereas like <laughs> what it really is is making sure you put you're doing the writing in the right direction. It's not restricting yes. like your creativity. It's giving you the subjects to write about. Yeah. And I would say brand is always king in, in my eyes. So yes, I, cause I, I've done a lot of SEO content writing and editing. And so yes, I'm always trying to ensure that I'm, you know, getting the most leverage and getting the most work out of the content I'm developing, especially digitally. However, at the end of the day, like anything that would dilute your brand voice or kind of put, get in the way of the positioning of your brand should be avoided. So you always have to be protecting your brands, but also trying to figure out, you know, how, how you can make this content work for you. And I mean, anyone who's worked with me can attest to me spending like hours trying to write the perfect like meta titles and descriptions that fit the keywords I was trying to hit on, but did not diminish my brand voice. Um, it is a puzzle. It, it's really a puzzle and it's, it's time consuming, but I also find that, when writers do understand it, um, they can really work with it. So I work with a, a copywriter now and she is an incredible writer. She's actually she started out as a novelist and she now does ad copy and content freelancing. Um, and she, and she really comes at it from like a classically trained writer's perspective. And I've taught her a lot about SEO and now she loves it. Um, so I don't think it's, I, I think it's probably a bit intimidating, especially as a writer, like you're constantly trying to perfect the linguistics and the language of what you're writing. However, if you kind of see it as like a, a little bit of like a puzzle and a game and a, a challenge that I, I think that, you know, the content team and, and the writers, um, like they can reach some synergies there. I'm, I'm going to share my my absolute lit nerdiness now and, and say like, I always think of it 
it's like it's like writing a sonnet, like an old school poem where you have like the set structure and you've got to work out the language to fit into this structure. And that structure yeah. didn't diminish the work of Shakespeare. We still celebrate his sonnets as being these wonderful pieces of art. Like why uh-huh. why does SEO diminish content? It doesn't. It just gives you that structure to work around and think in different ways and approach it in different ways. I, I like that, and yeah, and that that brings about too. It is you just have to have a mutual understanding you know you as the writer you understand and you respect what um the seo strategist is trying to do and the seo strategist or content strategist has to respect what the writer is trying to do and finding that balance is really key and it works out a lot of the time sometimes i have like been banging my head against the wall trying to get a piece of content right um and sometimes it's harder than others but yeah, it's, it's, it's just part of the process, part of the climb. Like you mentioned the mountain at the beginning of this, like SEOs, SEO and content is a mountain that we've all got to climb at some point as, CMO, uh, as CMOs or marketers of any level. Um, I think that's probably a good note to, to end on, Aiden. Do you have any final advice for CMOs or marketers of any level on like how to approach content and SEO? Like what, what, what's your big, your big message for the coming, the coming year of content and SEO? I would say understanding your customer and your prospect is essential. So whatever you can do to really get in the head of your customer, because it's so easy to get in the, the kind of get bogged down in the day-to-day and who you think your customer is and what you think they're looking for. Um, Leverage the sales team, figure out exactly, have them send you a list of the top 10 questions that they get asked every single day. Um, and then also do do a little bit of keyword research. There's some great free tools out there that are available. Um, Uber Suggest is one. I think SEMrush and Moz probably have a free trial. Do some searching and just see what people are looking for because it's really insightful. And um, lastly, They Ask, You Answer by Marcus Sheridan. It's recommended to me and it's one of my absolute favorite books on marketing I've ever read. And I would recommend it to anyone. And especially if you're a CMO and you're trying to get the rest of your team and your organization bought off on how important an effective content strategy is. He gives you a lot of tools and how to approach that topic with your organization. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'll, it's definitely something I need to check out with the sounds of things. Um, thank you for your time, Aiden. It's been really, it's been really good. Um, and thank you, uh, audience. Um, we'll be back soon with more CMO combos.